Welcome to the Fed Heads, a weekly podcast from Grant Thornton Public Sector. Join the Fed Heads, Robert Shea and Francis Rose, each week to talk about the arcana of government management and the people who are working hard every day to improve it. Welcome to another episode of Fed Heads. I'm Francis Rose. And I'm Robert Chet. One of the issues that the Department of Veterans Affairs has dealt with for years and years, obviously, in all three of the major focus areas in that organization, cemeteries, Veterans Benefits Administration, Veterans Health Administration, is the huge amount of information that they have about all of the veterans that go through their system, not just people who they're serving today, but people that they've served in the past. And now with their interaction with DOD, the people that they're serving in the future. And one of the big components of that, of course, Robert, is privacy. They have an enormously important constituency. And in order to serve that constituency well, they have to handle a lot of information uh, but, of course, it's their obligation to protect the privacy of the people who share that information with them. At the same time, they're using it to improve the health care and other services they deliver. LaShawnee Davids, director of the VA Privacy Service and our guest on FedHeads this week. LaShawnee, welcome to the program. Thanks for joining us. What is the VA Privacy Service and what is your mission, not just you as the leader, but all of the people that you lead? Good afternoon, Francis and Robert. Thank you for allowing me this opportunity to share with you today and your listeners. As the largest health care organization in the country, VA strives to maintain a balance between management of health care information and protecting veterans and VA employees and other stakeholders' privacy. With over 1.6 million connected devices and over 1,200 health care facilities across the U.S., VA has a complex environment to secure. I serve as Director of Privacy Service, as you mentioned, where I lead department-wide efforts to embed privacy considerations in VA policy, program planning, operations, and stakeholder communication. I also oversee, direct, and establish short and long-term goals for VA's privacy program. What are those short and long-term goals? What are the marks that you set for your office to be able to provide whatever it is that you need? Do, I mean, I guess that's maybe the base question. Do veterans need more privacy? Do they need different kinds of privacy as technology evolves? Do they need different kinds of private levels of privacy based on the information that you have about them and who you share it with? Or maybe all of those things are the case, LaShawnee. Yes, sir. Well, we work to ensure compliance first and foremost with federal and VA-specific uh, laws, policy requirements, as well as attaining uh, the department-wide privacy objectives, which are, you know, overall v- within our overall VA planning, programming, and public outreach. Um, to give you some specific uh, examples of the, the uh, scope of our work and how that connects uh, to veterans, um, I'd like to just share with you some of the areas in which uh, we actually do work on behalf of veterans and their privacy. And I'd like to start actually talking about our outreach, our communication and outreach efforts, which I am really proud of. I think we have a very robust uh, effort at VA. Uh, we're committed to improving um, privacy awareness and best practices and sending the message that privacy matters at VA. VA Privacy Service, for example, uh, works to provide awareness to veterans on several fronts. 
uh, through various communication and outreach efforts. Um, two, if I may, of our biggest efforts are, one, our More Than a Number campaign and our Privacy Matters campaign. And so just to give you a little bit about that, um, the More Than a Number campaign, for example, uh, underscores that each piece of pri- uh, personally identifiable information, otherwise known as PII, such as a person's Social Security number or their birth date, for example, is more than a number. It's actually a veteran's or an employee's identity, and as such, it must be kept safe. So our campaign provides, uh, for example, toll-free helpline and online services or resources to help veterans to protect their data and report uh, any suspected uh, thefts of their data. Uh, We receive, on average, about 50 calls per month from veterans regarding identity theft and incidents or events. So that's just a little bit about um, one of the efforts that we're working specifically to connect with veterans uh, to help protect and keep them them safe. The other one I mentioned, again, is the Privacy Matters campaign, uh, which is an effort that provides privacy education resources and best practices to veterans, their beneficiaries, and other external stakeholders. We hold events throughout the year, uh, such as our uh, Privacy Speaker Series events that are attended uh, by those working in the privacy uh, community, both government and industry. And these are to help ensure that folks are staying up to date, you know, in this ever-changing privacy landscape. So those are just a few examples of how we work to protect data better. Yeah, Lashana, that's one of the things Mm -hmm. I want to ask you about. The technology around this is evolving so rapidly. Can you talk a little bit about how you keep up with technology and how you keep your people up to date with what they need to do to make sure they're protecting the information that they possess? So one of our our biggest uh, and ongoing efforts uh, within privacy service is that we're continuously communicating uh, the importance of uh, privacy and security and accountability uh, in uh, our programs, our systems, and our operations. So, for example, um, we help strive to imp- uh, empower all of our employees to consider themselves as cyber and privacy warriors and to personally invest themselves in securing veterans' data and protecting their privacy um, because, of course, our workforce is also made up of veterans, so they have a personal vested interest in doing so. I mean, as you stated, we're in this rapidly changing technological uh, environment where, you know, uh, on one hand, uh, uh, you know, the public desires quicker, faster, cheaper, smarter, <laughs> um, and, you know, but at the same time, we have a, a responsibility to strike that balance between, you know, offering more advancements in technologies and, and providing opportunities for veterans and other stakeholders to uh, access our benefits and services, you know, via the latest technology, but at the same time helping uh, to secure the, the privacy and the, uh, the security of their information and really educating them. So uh, and within privacy service, we have, again, as part of our communication effort, we have a very robust outreach effort where we're uh, developing communication material and actually speaking 
at external engagements that are well attended by veteran communities and you know uh, veteran service serving organizations where we're you know communicating best practices and you know providing information and other uh, literature around uh, ways that veterans and their family members can help uh, keep themselves safe. What has made doing that easier over the last, say, five years, and what has made it more difficult, Lachanae? So I tell you, it's interesting. Uh, one of the, the really interesting points here, you know, with the change in generations, attitudes and perspectives on privacy have shifted. Uh, from, you know, those of the past, you know, in conjunction with the rapid changes in technology. So, you know, what has made it easier? Uh, you know, one is the fact that there are more efforts to bring about awareness, you know, on multiple fronts, both, you know, from a federal government standpoint as well as industry. I mean, you know, I guess that comes along with laws, you know, at the at the national level and, and, and actually at the global level. Let's start there. You know, the European Union, for example, with the GDPR uh, law and uh, some other countries have enacted at, at the uh, national level uh, laws. And then at the state level, of course, there are many uh, states that, ha- that have enacted data uh, breach pr- or protection laws. And, uh, you know, there's always the talk uh, about, you know, whether the U.S. will adopt a federal level uh, privacy uh, law. Um, I believe they will at some point. You know, the question is, when will that occur? Uh, that's a little less known. Um, but so I just, just the, the, the legal and the regulatory drivers as well as just the, the changes in the, the rapid changes in the technology and just the, the awareness around the two, I think, have helped. What has made it more challenging is those very same things, ironically. You know, because there's such an explosion of technology on many, many fronts, um, and, you know, it, and it's changing, it seems like, you know, every <laughs> every other week, just keeping pace with that and, and you know, uh, reminding folks, you know, uh, and, 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 you know, keeping that balance, you know, is, is there a trade-off? I mean, some would argue, you know, is there really true privacy anymore uh, in this state, um, whether it's, you know, from a security and monitoring standpoint to a just, you know, there's just so much, uh, and, and then in this environment now, for example, that we're living in these unprecedented times with COVID-19, um, there are concerns, you know, just around that balance of safety, security, and privacy. So I think it's just, it's a continuum that, you know, certainly uh, makes for um, uh, an, an interesting time for us in, in the privacy community. Never a dull moment. <laughs> yeah, you got that right. Tell us a little bit more about how you're collaborating across government to make sure you're adopting leading practices to get your job done. Sure. Okay. So we actually have a couple of partnerships that we're engaged in uh, right now. Uh, One is a partnership with the U.S. Postal Inspection Service where we are, we, uh, Privacy Service has signed an agreement to help um, promote uh, the Postal Service's 
activities to um, help uh, raise awareness to veterans around post-fraud, mail fraud. And so um, that's, we're in our second-year agreement uh, with the Postal Inspection Service on that, and so we're, we're pretty happy about that partnership. And then um, secondly, uh, we are uh, connected with the, uh, there's the, the Federal Privacy Council at the government, excuse me, at the U.S. government level. There's the Federal Privacy Council, and uh, we're working uh, very closely with the Federal Privacy Council to uh, implement best practices. And, uh, you know, we um, build into our, our event agendas various uh, subject matter, you know, that is of, of prevailing, you know, concern or, you know, at the forefront on the privacy side, I mean, on the federal side, excuse me, we build those topics into our events and we bring in thought leaders to uh, participate at the VA and we open those events, those events up to, uh, of course, privacy professionals um, across the government as well as, you know, within the VA. So those are just two examples of collaborative partnerships. Well, Shawna, you're doing terrific stuff, you and your colleagues there, and we're thrilled to have a chance to talk to you about your work today. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Thank you, Francis. Thank you, Robert. I appreciate the opportunity to be here today. Thanks for listening to The Fed Heads, brought to you by Grant Thornton Public Sector. All of the resources talked about during the episode are available in the episode description. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us on Twitter at GT Public Sector to join the conversation. And don't forget to leave us a comment or review on iTunes or the Google Play Store.